Welcome to a new episode of Broadway Radio where we are busting out our crystal balls. That sounds weird. Um, but we are busting out our uh, our Miss Cleo headdresses. And we're going to talk about predictions for 2024. My name is Matt Tamanini. I am joined by the clairvoyant, the clear-eyed, full heart, can't lose, Grace Aki. Grace, you ready to uh, you ready to make some predictions here? You got it. All right. So we're only going to do one a piece yeah. because uh, everything's weird and anything could happen. But uh, we want to get down a, a little bit deeper into these to kind of dive into them. So Grace, let's start with your prediction. What do you have on the books for 2024? Here's what I feel, and this is not based on any knowledge. This is gut and vibes alone. My theatrical prediction for 2024, and this is probably geared further into the fall of that year, is that I think we are going to see more produced original work, more so than the previous couple of years. I know that a lot of us have been having the conversations around existing IP and, you know, not, I'm not talking about like revivals or anything, but just like, you know, film adaptations, cartoon adaptations, um, adaptations on adaptations. And not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way, but I think that we're actually probably, I I feel like we're going to see a bit more original work only because nothing's guaranteed. Even things that we think are going to be surefire hits like a Britney Spears musical don't always work and don't always actually sell. So I think that we're going to see an increase, even if in a 2% capacity of some more original work, because nothing is actually guaranteed. So do you anticipate this being something that happens exclusively on Broadway? Do you see that it, it off Broadway more? Where are you like seeing this being the most recognizable? I think that this is like a trickle effect. And I think I'm 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 mainly concerned with development into potential Broadway properties. Off-Broadway has been doing kind of this ratio sure. of predominantly original work um, because they have the the ability to. But I think that in developing new work, I think that we're gonna see a a little bit more skew on on things that are more original. I'm interested in the financial aspect of this, Grace, because we've talked about before, like the reason we see things. And again, not to dismiss any of these properties because I think they're all they all have their merits in their own right. But things like Back to the Future, The Outsiders, The Notebook, you know, things like that that are based on IP that people are familiar with or even something like Hell's Kitchen, um, which is based off of Alicia Keys music is because producers feel like they're a little bit safer because they are known quantities and you can gauge what the fandom will be like for something like that, what the interest will be. Why do you think that that people will turn away from that, even in a small number, but what do you think is the reason that people will be willing to take a little bit more risk? Is it just that, like you said, that like nothing is guaranteed. So why bank on something like that? Go with something that's a little bit more experimental. Like that seems to me to be running contrary to the Broadway producers that we have seen over the last few years. I think that it's I think that people might have the ability to invest more in original works because of the success of some existing properties. Like I think that it has to feed that hand. Like I don't believe that you know, if if you've been burned by XYZ that you'll never touch it again. You know, I think that you know, just just I mean alone the How to Dance in Ohio reception 
has been so overwhelmingly uh, beloved by the community in terms of accessibility. So there might be more opportunities for more shows that are maybe, you know, a little based on a documentary, but might be, you know, completely original music and completely original story, but also offering um, some storylines that we've never seen before. Like, I think that it, it, it helps inform the other. And uh, just because there are all of these, you know, either adaptations or revivals. And I think with, let's say that there's a lot of success with The Notebook. Because of that success, it might open the door to several other potential developing opportunities because of how great Ingrid Michaelson's, you know, music is. And so Ingrid Michaelson might attach herself to an original story to do the music. Like, I think that all of it is a, a, a ripple effect. I don't think it's one or the other. Like, I don't think it's, you know, um, companies, entities, or producers are going to say yay or nay on X, Y, Z. I think it's like a total ripple effect of the creative teams, the productions itself, and um, the society that we're in. I hope you're right. I I, I would love to see more uh, original works on Broadway. People have been having this conversation quite a bit about the you know, the, the commercialization and the, the theme park, uh, ization of Broadway, which again, I don't have a problem with it, as long as it's good. So, you know, look, kind of scrolling through the list of shows that are aiming to come to Broadway. I know there's like a 13 going on 30 musical, a 17 again, musical. We know about boop happening uh, off Broadway. There's Broadway vacation. Death becomes her devil wears Prada. Um, obviously both of the Gatsby musicals, La La Land, like Water for Chocolate, you know, all these things. There's a lot Midnight in the Water Garden for Elephants Evil. and Like Water for oh Chocolate are Did two I just totally those, different yeah? things. No, but let me tell you, it might be better if they combine them. That would be great if they did like Water for Chocolate and Water for Elephants. My God, that was awful. I can't believe I did <laughs> that. That would be so funny. That would be great. I mean, that's going to be a Red Bucket Follies kind of number or something at some point, right? Like they have to do that. Oh my god. I'm I'm not sure that those people I don't I don't know if if they've all seen the same <laughs> No, probably not. But I mean, you throw in like The Queen's Gambit and Queen of Versailles, like there's just a ton of these things still coming. So where uh, and I am uh, you know, I think that you know, they are working their way towards the stage. So I I don't I I I'm optimistic that what you're saying is true. I I'm a little worried about just the pipeline being so jam-packed of these types of things that it might take longer than just 2024 to happen. But I am uh, interested in 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 more of that happening. And we, as we talked about before, and you mentioned earlier, like off Broadway is normally where we see those things. I think we're actually maybe even seeing a little bit less of it than we've seen in the past. But I, I would love to see kind of more of that happening. Um, I am going to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction here. And this is going to be. I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think this is going to be a 2024, 2025 thing. I think that all five of the best musical nominees for 2025. So it starts in the 2024 season. So that's why I'm going to get away with it here. I think all of them are going to be women led musicals. Uh, We know about some things that we think are coming and I'm kind of basing this off of some things that I know are in the works. And we've, if you see them on social media, people have been doing uh, pre-production workshops and stuff like that and, and readings for different things. Things like Smash, things like the Thelma and Louise musical, 
uh, which I, I know someone who went and saw a presentation of that here recently and said it was incredible. And, uh, you know, something like that. Um, I, I just think we are going to get an opportunity to see a lot of shows featuring women, centering women, have a moment here. We, we've talked previously both on Today on Broadway and previous episodes here during the holidays that women are the primary ticket buyers. And when you put a compelling story featuring women at the center, I, I think that there is a legitimate reason to expect that people will show up for that. So I could be wrong. It, maybe it won't be all of them, but I think that we have a really good shot about what's coming in the pipeline to see a lot of women-led musicals in this next season. Throw in Boop, as I, as, as I mentioned, is one that it will probably be in that next season. I don't know all of them. Queen of Versailles is still obviously moving forward. Kristen Chenoweth leading that one. So uh, I think there are still a lot of things that we don't know about coming. Maybe even, I think we could probably even throw in the Gatsby that's coming to ART because that one does seem to be centering more on Daisy than on Jay. But there's a lot of these things coming, Grace, that I think are really compelling and really interesting, whether they are takes on on things that we already know or they, they are originals. Who knows? But I mean, a lot of these have been adaptations of uh, previously established intellectual property. But I think from everything I've heard, like they're good. And so I, I think we could very well see a lot of women led shows cleaning up at the Tonys in 2025. I want you to be right. <laughs> I want you to be so right. And what's fun about these is that we all, I mean, look, having classic Broadway musicals led by women is not new. Like, I mean, that's, we've had that a lot, but I think in the modern era, you know, in the last decade or two, a lot of those shows have not been written by women and not all of these are obviously, you know, Boop and, and Smash are predominantly written by, or at least in part written by men, um, but with something like Thelma and Louise, which has music and lyrics by Nico Case, but a book by Hallie Pfeiffer and Callie Corey, like these are stories about women by women, at least again, in part, uh, depending on the actual individual property. But it does give us a little bit something different than, than what we've seen before. And even if these are established intellectual properties, having a woman's take on those stories, I think, is is very much needed at this point in our theatrical lives. All right. Any other random predictions you want to throw out, Grace? Little small things? No, I am. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got Fair enough. nothing. Fair enough. I I do think we're going to get both Gatsby's on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that was going to be my like secret like text you in the middle of recording. I I feel I feel it. Yeah. I, I I'm interested though, Grace, and maybe from your marketing side, like, is it? better or worse for them to be on Broadway at the same time or in the same season. Cause like, I mean, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I honestly think like there can be a way to make it work for them to both be on at the same time. The, the, the paper mill one is already like advertising, like sign up for our mailing list to see what comes next. They're coming to Broadway. They're going to be able to come to Broadway sooner, probably than the ART one. Cause the ART one doesn't start until the, the spring, I think even may, maybe, um, so like they're going to have a the 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 runway. So unless they close super early, like I think the the ART one is going to want to get on Broadway next season, the Florence Welch version. So like 
I think it's legitimate to have a chance to see them both on Broadway wild party style. Do you think that that's good or bad from a marketing ticket sales perspective? No, I think it's awesome. I think that people will want to see them both. I think they'll be confused and they won't know which is which. And that's good for everybody. You know, who cares? Like I I saw people say, I want to see the Britney Spears musical. And then I asked them, okay, like literally standing in a line, a a line of ticket buyers. I heard someone say, oh, I want to see that Britney Spears musical. I said, oh, once upon a one more time. They said, no, no, no. The one about Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. So, you know, you never know. And um, yeah, I love the chaos. I love I love everybody being employed and having to read their freshman year literary uh, again. Like, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so um, the interpretations or lack thereof uh, by some the incredible music and or lack there. Like, I don't know. You know, I haven't seen either, but um, I think it's I think it's hilarious, wild and awesome. And I think that it's actually only positive for everybody not to be competitive. I'm not talking in a snarky way. I think it's a good thing. I think when I, I don't think that it cancels one or the other, if that makes sense. Like, I think that the the healthy benefit of both of them being out there is that if people are interested, they're going to want to see them both, like genuinely 100%. speaking. Yeah. I, I think so, too. And like, I, I obviously, I've not seen the ART version. I did see the paper mill version. Uh, from everything I know about the Florence Welsh one and Martina Mayoak, it's very, very different in terms of its perspective than the one that played Paper Mill, which was, uh, you know, it was kind of a a stripped back romantic version of Gatsby. It didn't change the plot anyway, but like it pulled back on some of the the darker introspective uh, psychological elements and kind of gave us a Disneyified fairy tale esque version of that story while still maintaining the tragedy that happens at the end. Um, I feel like from everything I've, I've heard about the one that's going to happen at the American repertory theater, that the creators behind that one are focusing much more on the psychological elements of, of, of the obsession that goes on in this story, the misogyny in the story, they are making it far more queer coded, if not queer, outright um in that story so i feel like they're going to be very very different interpretations and both of them valid and i i for one will want to do a two-show day like i will want to spend a saturday or a wednesday or whatever or sunday or whatever exactly to it's go harry see potter both part one part day. two why wouldn't yeah, you absolutely and look we don't know necessarily yet who is going to be doing the florence welch version but like if the cast from paper mill comes I can tell you, like, I saw it. Did I think the show was great? No. Am I going to remember any of those songs for the rest of my life? No. But I will 100% listen to Jeremy and Eva and Sam and Noah sing those songs because those songs were written so perfectly to show off what is great about their voices that it is a compelling show to see. Even if it's not a great show, it is 1000% a show worth seeing for those performances. So I'd be happy to go see both of them in the same day, and I would love to see them on Broadway at the same time. Again, not for the competitiveness, not because one is going to win awards and one's not, or one is going to make the other one look bad. No, it's just because like that's an experience, and I think that's a cool thing to draw people to the theater um, that they could really, if they do it smartly, could really market the hell out of that, especially on social media.
All right, let us know what your predictions are for the 2024 year in theater, on Broadway, off Broadway, regional tours, whatever. You can hit us up on social media at Broadway Radio. You can find me at BWW Matt and Grace at It's Grace Aki. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We will be back to talk to you soon with another episode. 